0: You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Caprizo, back to Zuccarello,
1: back to Caprizo, he scores!
0: Covering team news, prospect analysis, game by game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to he scores! And now, here are your hosts Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyot and Justin Bucky. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Wednesday, May seventeenth, eight seventeen. PM on the eve of the conference finals, Uh, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you uh, to do some little bit of reflecting and looking ahead on the Minnesota Wild season. But before we get into all of tonight's action, gotta check in with the fellows because it's been a couple weeks. Justin, how are things going right now for you?
2: Oh, it's going well. It's uh, you know the kids are recovered from not feeling well and uh, back to you know had a little bit bit of PTL. Went to the Luke Combs concert with my wife, and that was pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, just getting ready for this coming weekend. My my daughter has her dance recital, and, of course, my son has baseball, and we're, we're cranking away at the 10,000 puck challenge, too. So we're finding ways to stay busy and get outside and have fun.
0: Yeah, sounds like good time to me. Zeke, what about you, man?
1: Yeah, no, nothing new. The last time, just, you know, working a lot, uh, et cetera, et cetera, just uh it's really weird that it's been almost three weeks since the season was over now so it's uh it feels like it's been well, longer <laughs> i know I, it feels like we've been done for like two yeah, months. i know <laughs> but yeah it's it's uh, otherwise good
0: good stuff yeah i mean it's uh i gotta get on the golf course for the first time last weekend which is like probably the latest that i've uh that i've golfed in a long time but i think i'll get out probably twice again this weekend so all will be well um Yeah, Exciting show on tap today. We're going to go through, I know a couple other podcasts have done uh, done this already, but we're going to continue to follow suit uh, because we're technically a week and a half behind schedule here. Um, But we're going to go ahead and review our favorite moments of the season, three each, uh, and then toward the end of the show we will discuss... Um, kind of Bill Guerin's off-season checklist, kind of the do's, don'ts, things to think about, those types of things. We kind of head into what you know, basically now, probably through uh, the award of the Stanley Cup. You know, there might be a, a you know maybe a, a an RFA signing here or there, but um, the action probably won't pick up until the playoffs wrap up. Before we get into all that, gotta go to Justin for a quick prospect update.
2: All right, so. Saw- it's a little outdated. I got a few things that were like a week and a half ago, but uh, I'll do do a few of those things lead up to kind of what's happened recently. Not a whole lot, but uh, Kamloops lost to Seattle in their series. Uh, so the likes of Bankier and Masters, are their seasons are over minus the Memorial Cup, which their team is hosting because I believe Kamloops won last year. Uh, I can't remember why. Uh, I, I believe that's why. But anyways, their season is not quite over. They're, run to the whl championship is over however carson lambos is still in it um his team is down two to one winnipeg is down two to one in the series he picked up a very nice assist last night i don't know if you guys saw the video or if anyone saw the video but uh he basically made the goal happen with you know the way he entered in uh attacked the zone uh, offensive zone so um Seven points in 17 playoff games, but uh, he doesn't have to be the guy to pick up a bunch of points because Winnipeg is so stacked. But hopefully they can pull that series off. There's, uh, they, they're actually going to be playing tonight, so hopefully they come away from that uh, 2-2 series. And then Ugrin, Liam Ugrin, he chose his SHL team, signed with it with Barsted. Uh They finished third in the regular season, so he's joining a really good team in the SHL. Hopefully he gets top six minutes there, but uh, awesome to see him move from uh you know from the second tier league to the the first tier and, and see what Isn't he does. Isn't
1: that do. where Eck played? I think so. Yeah, him and Brody and right. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's what I thought. So, hey, those those guys turned out okay, right?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe uh, this is a a good omen here. <laughs>
0: a good ogrim.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ah, hey, there you go. I, <laughs> go. I love it. Boo, this <laughs> man. Sorry, that's terrible. <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, the world championships are happening right now. Uh, Rossi, Valstead are both going. Um, Sammy Walker got hurt, so his is over. Of course, Jake Middleton is going too, but he's not a prospect, so. Volstead, um, he had one start against uh, Rossi in o- Austria. Rossi in Austria uh, picked up an 18 save shutout and then Marco Rossi has three assists in four games played although in the four games played his team has four goals total so really he's you know picked up a point on 75 percent of their scoring so um good to see that I mean you know what to expect from Austria but it's good to see him picking up the points and and, you know picking up a couple nice assists if people have seen the videos they're Really well placed passes. Yeah.
0: Speaking of seeing highlights, did you guys see the goal that Lane Hudson scored today no, I did the not U.S.? Go. Oh my goodness, yeah. it was it was nuts. Here, I'll uh, as we continue chatting here, I will send it to you guys. Yeah, but like he I had literally went like coast to coast and like deep through defenders' legs, and then managed to like score with like a one-handed chip shot. It was insane.
2: Oh yeah, I will always like, remember. Exactly. Sorry, Zeke,
1: you go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Sorry. I
2: was just going to say, I always remember when we had Byron Bader on the show and Lane Hudson was one of the players that he thought the Wilds should draft. Like one of his, you know, I will always remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of teams are, because it was definitely the the size that scared people away. But you look at the season he had, yeah. uh, was it B? He was playing at BU, yeah. I think, right? Had a big yeah. season at mm-hmm. BU and like, I think this, I think this guy is going to be one of the ones where his, he's got his skill is going to outweigh his size. So yeah,
2: yeah. always
0: oh, all these GMs um, sleeping on the short Kings, but yeah, it is, right. it is a pretty sweet goal. Um, sorry, that was a little I'll side have to watch there, it
2: but. after we record. <laughs> um, well, last couple things here, Russia 25, uh, announced that Murat, who's Nadinov, had a fracture. Didn't say where pain doesn't need surgery, but it sounds like he should be back for the upcoming season. Um, Sucks to see, you want to see him continue to play. It seems like he gets hurt fairly frequently, but he battles through a lot of stuff. So, you know, at least it's good to see that he'll be back for the coming season. And then uh, the last thing, kind of prospect-related, more draft-related. The Wild will be picking 21st in the 2023 NHL draft with Dallas beating Seattle in their series. So uh, 21st instead of 20th, like we're hoping, hoping, but... Uh, nonetheless, it'll be uh, interesting to see who they add to this pool or if they decide to trade up or what they decide to do with the draft.
0: I believe last time they were supposed to pick at 21 is when they traded up. Is it, Was that where uh, they t- – because I think that was the Wallstead pick. Wallstead, uh, maybe. It's look I good think omen. they traded up into that spot. Or it, it might have been the weird one because there was, like, the extra pick in there yeah. that Arizona forfeited or something too. Yeah. So, um, hmm. Yeah, I guess, I guess the, the other, like, sort of related draft news, yeah. which we're not going to talk about because we'll, uh, well, can I, uh, it might add get one too thing. vulgar, but the, uh, What's Chicago there? Blackhawks won the fucking draft lottery. Oh, God. God. Damn it. Fuck. Yeah. So, yay for an eternity of playing against Connor Bedard and never being able to cheer for him. <laughs> anyway, that's
1: my rant. I'm not going to hey, say Hey, don't, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, on a more positive, I guess, you know, uh, I don't know if you, did you guys read Russo's mailbag yet today? Yeah, I, I draw, read his. Yeah. I have not. The, uh, I was surprised you did the, uh, first off bit there where they said he's oh, coming yeah. back and it's, and it's an issue of, you know, that they wrote, of you know, whether they, uh, decide they want him back or want to trade his rights for, you know, maybe like a sixth round pick or something. So
2: I don't yeah. know if I can see what he can do. He had a pretty decent KHL. So team.
1: I wonder if that tune
0: for him has changed because Tim Army is no longer there. Yeah, I suppose that's a good
2: point. It's possible.
0: Because I know, like, he didn't like the tough love he was getting. Yeah. Um, and had a pretty, like, admirable season, all things considered in the KHL for a you young players. So, mm-hmm. um yeah, definitely interesting to see where that goes. It, you know, it seems like they, you know, they may be able to get more for a, than a sixth for them, but at the same time, well, you know, I'm
1: like anything. Yeah,
0: so. yeah you just never know. Um, yeah, and then the other thing, uh, Justin, you brought up not too long ago. Um, you talked about Byron Bader, who we had on the show. Uh, he had a neat little, uh, Twitter thread that went out I think yesterday. Um, just about, um, kind of the average timeline the most prospects take year to year to kind of know if they quote unquote hit. Um, so they kind of reach that NHL or star potential um, and he had a, he's a pretty small-ish sample of data I think only going back the last like six seven eight years something like that uh, but basically you know his study what he found at least in his limited data set is that the average prospect prospect takes between five and seven years to kind of fully n- not hit their prime but to re- kind of start to realize their true potential like if they don't if they aren't an NHL or after seven years or five years, then they're probably not going to make it. Um, and as for a reminder, because you know, we'll obviously talk to both these guys later, but Kalen Addison, Marco Rossi. Um, Addison just finished or will be going into, I think, year five of his development. And Rossi, um, you could argue, was technically going into year three. Um, he was drafted three years ago. So, you know, in theory, it's his fourth year of development. But he you know basically lost an entire year. Um, to the, to the myocarditis, myocarditis, um, situation as well. So basically in year three, so still plenty of time, uh, for both of those guys to figure it out and why we continue on this show, especially to preach patience and hope that the team and GM decides to do the same. I uh, just want to throw that little nugget in there as well. That was a little interesting, interesting thread. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> that was definitely, no, I did miss one thing. Nothing crazy. I don't even know if this guy's going to play in the NHL ever. I don't think he will, but uh, Matt Vaguskov signed, or he has accepted a contract offer from Locomotive. He played for CSKA last season. He got up um, to a really like, good start. Yeah. And he just did, like then, evaporated. <laughs> yeah. He basically in the thin air. went. I, think, I don't even think he was with the big club at the end of the year. I think he was in the MHL or VHL, but I, I don't foresee him being a part of the future really you never know but it just it's just gut feeling Mm -hmm.
0: for sure all right um well let's move next into our favorite moments of the season so this is pretty simple straightforward uh we got together before the show just kind of discussed some of our favorite things from the year um obviously some of those things overlap so out of the um, avoiding repetition we each pick three different things uh talk about we can probably share memories on some of those other ones as well but just to kind of reminisce, find you know, keep trying to find some of the good um, from this year, and not stew on you know that that playoff loss, um, especially as we watch the team we lost to uh, move on to the Western Conference Final. Um, which what a gross Western Con- like Vegas and doubt like, just,
1: bleh. Yeah. like who cares? It feels
2: dirty, like, it. Yeah. I'm rooting for Vegas, but I feel absolutely like I need to take a shower. Even thinking that, yeah, I <laughs> get.
0: I don't even think I'm rooting for Vegas. I just no, I'm against Dallas. Yeah,
2: yeah that's, uh, that's a better way to put it. I'm all Eastern they, Conference yeah. here. <laughs> so,
0: Let's yeah. go, Canes, baby!
1: Give me the Canes. <clears throat> yes.
0: Who please. also? But I think we like jetted in last. But they look like a freaking
1: juggernaut. I know. They like, the they're apple. steamrolling Possibly everyone, and them.
0: they're missing literally an entire like top six, maybe top <laughs> line of players. Mm-hmm. It's just nuts, and they're rotating they like, like three goalies too. They you might know. be getting Teravinen back, though. I saw like. that, yeah. Like his, apparently, his wrist is healing faster, which, yeah, that'd be a nice boost to them. Um, yeah, go Eastern Conference. Screw the West. Um, yes. <laughs> so moving on. Uh, Justin, we can just start with you, um, since the way that's... I have the list written in front of me. Zeke, you can go <clears> second, and then I will go third. So, Justin, your uh, first... Not necessarily in order, but one of your uh, three favorite memories of this wild season.
2: I think I'm gonna go with the game where I won the tickets to a suite. Uh, my wife and I got to go. Weird flex for the date like... night. What's that? <laughs> said
0: a weird flex, but okay.
2: <laughs> hey. <laughs> I, uh, I got I'll some free suite tickets it.
0: this year too. So
2: I had, you know, I I always sit in the nosebleed, so it was it was a really yeah. cool experience and mm-hmm. um a date night that we rarely get, and then it was the return of Kaprizov to the lineup and the debut of uh, Gus Nyquist, so it was just. And, and they won in pretty dominating fashion, so it was just an awesome game to be at, awesome time. Um, awesome to see, you know, two of our, you know, one player that, you know, through the trades that I was the most excited about, and then, of course, our star, superstar player coming back. It was just, I couldn't have gotten much better. I was about a few feet from getting a picture from Bill Guerin, too, but uh, missed that opportunity. But nonetheless, it was, it was still an awesome, awesome game to be at with my wife.
0: Heck yeah, yeah. That was a you know was was it was one of the few good games they played, kind of in that yeah. last like hand that mm-hmm. last stretch there. Um, you know we were hoping maybe there'd be some fireworks with the Blues coming back and Vinington right. and all that, but. Didn't really, yeah, uh, didn't really come to pass, but, yeah, definitely exciting. Always fun to like take in a game in like a situation where you like yeah. haven't gotten to before, right? Um, just like the, yeah. the the sight lines are different. Like sometimes you feel like a bit different atmosphere. Then obviously you know yeah. you got the food and the drinks and and the crowd rooms.
2: yeah, <laughs> the crowd was absolutely nuts too. It was was that the game where we scored shorthanded twice or no? That was the game my yeah brother, and brother were at.
1: No, that, game was, that was that was that game, I'm
2: pretty sure. It yeah. was Steel and somebody else. In, in Hartman, I think.
1: Mm.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it was Hartman because it was. Because
1: Biddington, Biddington, he was way out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was,
2: it was a freaking amazing game. Yep. Oh, it yep. was awesome. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> All right, Zeke, we'll go to you next. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think, you know, the we'll talk about first obviously is the probably the highlight of the playoffs for everybody. Uh, you know, does not say much, but it, it definitely was was game three at home. Uh, obviously, you know, like Brett had called on his show or called on his Twitter account months you know, a couple months ago, you got Mason out there to do the uh, let's play hockey, you got the crowd fired up pretty good. It was, you know, screaming to the microphone, really, you I mean, you could see the guys on the bench, they panned over on the camera, you know, all hopped up, ready to go, excited and, uh, you know, you could, that, you know, that game, it was there, they were up by two only, so it was, you know, even myself was, you know, kind of nervous going to the second, third periods, but. You know, that was probably maybe the best game they played all the year and just uh, just hockey wise, pretty much completely shutting down Dallas for night. And obviously that gave the crowd every reason to be, you know, rowdy as hell and chanting Suter sucks and doing and all this other stuff that was, uh, you know, even on even watching it on TV was really a blast. And, uh, you know, just for the fact that it gave you confidence for a day or two that, you know, they could have done something there. It was really nice, but overall it's just a, just awesome. uh, Just an awesome night.
2: Yeah. That, that moment was amazing. You could absolutely tell that, that they fed off it. It almost felt like it jump started the whole game for them. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, just, you could tell the crowd loved it. And, you know, we kind of knew about it beforehand because Brett, I think he saw the game notes or whatnot, but it, it was just, uh, Amazing moment to have you know one one of the you know you could tell the guys loved it and and it just fed from there for the whole game. It was amazing atmosphere from that point on.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a bittersweet memory in a way too, because it feel it just felt Mm -hmm. like that game was like a turning point in the series, like the way the wild dominated the game, the energy in the building, the way they just seemed to play. Wild hockey. We saw, you know, guys like Felino and Zuccarello and others who had, had, you know, rough starts to the series, like have these big games, and we thought, like, oh, you know, maybe this is the turning point, mm-hmm. and yeah, it turned out to be pretty much all downhill. No. Literally was downhill yep. from there. Afterwards, <laughs> they lost uh, the next three. Scored um, three goals That's the way. yeah, So, uh, but yeah, definitely was fun. While it lasted. I mean, the the energy that Mason Shaw brought. I mean, T.J. Hawkinson was there. Ripping oh, ears yeah. and taking pictures with fans <laughs> and yeah, I mean you just had you know huge games from a bunch of different players and uh, yeah, you know <laughs> the, the the silver lining of the playoffs, you know probably that that one game. Okay.
2: So yeah, I'm gonna make a little joke here. You know what spiraled the downhill? What's that? Was the Minnesota Twins calling the let's play hockey the next game? <laughs> oh yeah, people were all over that on Twitter. The day
0: yeah, thanks, remember. Twins.
2: For giving us your <laughs> yeah, juju, even though we have our own.
1: <laughs> hey, we've won playoff games, so yeah, I know <laughs> that's true.
0: Not a lot, but more than the Twins. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yep. man, what a meltdown they had today too. But that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'll go next here. Um, one of my favorite moments this season uh, had to be, um. When Philip Gustafson got the standing ovation following just an absolutely gargantuan two to, uh, two to one win uh, over the L.A. Kings, uh, it was during his post game interview on Valley Sports North. Um, I think it was. I think it was with Gorg, and Gorg kind of asked him a question, and it took about fifteen seconds to get an answer because he just kind of took a minute to just soak in the fans, just all cheering for him. And um, I think we talked about it kind of after it happened on this show, but it just it kind of seemed like almost for him of that moment of like, I made it like I can play in this league. I can be a starter and I can be a good starter. Like it really felt like just kind of that confidence boost for him. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he had an outstanding year. Um, but to me, like that was what kind of one of like those games for Gustafson that was like really memorable and um, really, you know, almost seemed to solidify him almost as like this guy can be, you know, th- this guy might be our new number one at this point. He's no longer like the one A or the one B um, you know, he's no longer the tandem with Fleury. He's, he's going to be the guy. Um, and it was just cool just to see a player just, you know, in that moment and, um, like soak in the fans and feel appreciated and loved by this market. So, um, that's one that really stuck out to me.
1: And I think, yeah. you know, that's, Oh, go ahead, Justin. You know, you guys, well, yeah, I was just going <laughs> to, it's kind of echoing, but it's almost like that you just like to see when a lot of these guys, you know, and you can tell that they're really having fun and really enjoying it because, you know, it is, you know, I mean, they are playing a game. I mean, sometimes you just probably sit back and just any of them, but especially when, you know, you're still pretty young like him, just to really, you know, I mean, we've seen how kind of a cool, calm, relaxed guy he is. You know, he doesn't seem to get too rattled, doesn't seem to maybe take himself at the game super seriously, like you said, just to, uh, obviously, just to look back and really, you know, really you have that chance to appreciate, uh, you know, appreciate that run is really cool. Yeah, not only that is, you know,
2: we had we knew the good regular season he had, but you know, we kind of had questions like, can he carry this over to the playoffs? Um, you know, will the pressure of the playoffs will he be a different goalie? And we absolutely saw the same goalie in the regular season, maybe even better than you know that was probably the best game he played all season. It's like, okay, maybe we we have something, you know, we go back all the way thinking. What have we got in this Talbot trade? And he just keeps proving us right, like proving us that he can do the job and do it well. And it was just awesome to see, especially in the first game of the playoffs, playing a really, really, really good team. And, and at that point, you're like, okay, we have a chance. This, this, you know, he can steal some games for us.
0: And he did, he stole game one. Yep. He he did. Guess. And then from, you know, after game three, like really didn't like Zeke, like you mentioned, they scored three times, didn't really get a lot of help. Uh, and he could I mean, played out of his he, mind and it probably wouldn't have mattered a whole lot right.
1: and to his credit he uh you know he said he thought he was basically average those the way too so you know he's not the uh,
0: and the numbers you know, i think would support that but like there was not, not, bad, not there was games. not a game in that final stretch where like ah and blew that one for us no so, no 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 like, not at all which to me in the playoffs that's about all you can ask for your goalie so oh yeah all right justin we'll circle back uh you can go again
2: all right, I am going to go with the Alex Gal- Galagowski game-winning goal in overtime. Um, it was on the 1,000th game celebration for him. I think he had been scratched a bunch before that, and to see him come in and score the game-winning goal in overtime against Carolina nonetheless, just an awesome feed from Sam Steele. He comes in, puts the backhand in, we win. Beat a really good team, and just the – the celebration where he's just—he basically fell with the Carolina player into the corner. His legs are all like sprawled up, and he's just yeah. like fired up. And
0: player card picture from that point on. I think. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was just uh one of the awesome moments and kind of bittersweet moments, especially with you know, um the game it was, what it meant to him, how tough it was to miss games because he just loves playing, and and for that all to come together and his thousandth game celebration was awesome to see.
1: And I mean, I think you know the other. You know, this game too, just as it, you know, at the time, you know, looking at the record, they were seven, eight and two, still in their kind of early season funk. And, you know, like you mentioned that kind of that energy and excitement they had for him, that game for Goligosky seemed to, you know, they seemed, they played really well for, you know, the next month or two after that. So it really, you know, at the time it seemed like it too, but it, looking back, it was definitely kind of a springboard moment that kind of, that kind of got them off the win lose win lose kind of track that they had started on, and uh, was really important for their season.
0: Yeah, there's been like some like weirdly like just like some of these Cinderella stories that come out for like a thousandth game, like the seeming like the Minnesota guys on like Hockey Day and stuff. Like it just the, like the script the script writers are always always on point. <laughs> um for those games. But yeah, that was definitely Zeke, you mentioned that was the big takeaway for me out of that too. Not only was it just a really special moment for him, but yeah, like just the way that kind of launched the team into that really stretch of, of really strong play there for a while. Um definitely cannot be overlooked uh from that moment as well. All right, Zeke, your second one.
1: Yeah, second one for me would uh is going to be uh let me get the date here around March 29th, their game in Colorado. They won 4 2, you know, big. Their big last game of the regular
0: season. Hmm? <laughs>
1: well,
0: they, they pretty much mailed it in after that oh, one. They well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Was, right. <laughs> I don't
1: know, I'm not remembering things already, but I'm over the heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, I mean, just, I mean, you know, like I said, was saying a big, it was, the, I think it was the second half of the doubleheader on TNT, of course, the 9 start, but, you know, Thank God it ended up being worth it. Uh, big game, like I said, national TV. Obviously, we always, you know, he always love beating Colorado. You love, you know, getting their fans, especially in their home rank, to be uh, drowned out by the wild fans down there. Uh, the huge crowd. You know, I think a couple of, you know, the key moments, obviously Johansson scored, I think, one of his first couple goals there. Uh, Freddie Goudreau beat out Kale McCarr for a shorthanded goal. Cutting into the, off the post from his fore backhand forehand real quick was awesome, and obviously you know like everyone remembers they kind of folded there in the third period, but it was another uh, another one of the highlights for Gustafson this year. He just you know they scored one goal, but basically shut the door and you know kept you know kept the wild ahead in that third period when they you know basically as you know Brett talked about at the time you know had done that a little bit where they uh, kind of always tended they tended to sit back in the third period yep. when they'd get a lead and yeah, nineteen was,
0: to four shots for the avs uh in that yeah. third period it was 44 to 29 how, in the game wild one at four to two
1: you remembered how good they were at that third period so but yeah no it's it's just i just love love beating love beating them in their home rank it will never get old so
2: yep that was that game also that uh you know we're up two to one and yeah you, you sit here and think Oh shit! Colorado has a power play. What are we doing yeah. ourselves? Shoot ourselves in the foot. And then Kudel scores a short goal. Ends up scoring an empty net goal. Scoring two goals in the game. Just, just his incredible season just continued. <laughs> it was, that was a uh, maybe one of the funner games to watch. Just because you know one we beat Colorado and two it was just uh, you know fun mm-hmm. game to watch between two teams that were kind of fighting for uh, first overall. The, yeah, the those con- games uh, never lack entertainment value. Nope. That's for
0: sure. Yeah. Um, the Wild seemed to. At least lately, in the last couple years, seem to elevate their game nicely against Colorado. At least make those games entertaining, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with my next one. Um, it's somewhat of a personal one, but you know, I'm sure there are fans out there that that share the sentiment. But for me, it was the Mapoli extension. Um, I mean, this is a guy that we've absolutely loved on this show since day one. Mm-hmm. A guy we've hyped up. Um, you know, I finally was able to get a jersey for Bully this year, and just one of my favorite players to watch and you know um just awesome to see him get rewarded with a you know that that seven by seven and um you know came out a little flat after that extension but you know it wasn't too long after that where he really kind of settled in um and we saw him kind of explode there toward the end of the year but um I mean just like knowing you're gonna have that kid um in a wild uniform for the next seven years is is exciting um Mm -hmm. you know like we talked about I think on the last podcast I think I or maybe no I think it was on um I jumped on locked on wild uh with Seth Topol and we talked a little bit about Boldy and I'll I'll reiterate some of those points on our next podcast when we talk about the player review cards but um you know I think Matt Matt Boldy isn't even unleashed yet and I think that's that should be Mm -hmm. scary for the whole league because when he when he puts it all together it's I mean it's he's going to be special and uh, I can't wait to see it happen
2: Yeah, 100%. I agree. Uh, That was an awesome moment. You kind of wondered if it would be in the season or not. Um, But to see him do what he did when Kaprizov went out uh, and kind of be that guy that scored in bunches and kind of carried the team. You know, everyone was kind of scoring at that point, but he was really really the one that was getting going and scoring a bunch. So, you know, it's people I forget, he's like 21 years old second year in the NHL it's just exciting and I think this contract is going to be a steal you know mm-hmm. a midway point at least
1: and I think you know the other thing about you know obviously for longest time everyone all that we heard was that they were going to sign a two three-year bridge deal you know as expected with a lot of young guys I mean even though the trend is to do this you know longer term uh, lower dollar amount kind of but I think it's just that's just really cool that from what we know, that it seems like he was the one, uh, Boldy was, who pushed for the longer deal and wanted the long term extension, and obviously, really seems to like it here and really wants to be part of this uh, team going forward uh, into the next, you know, better part of a decade. So that was really cool.
0: Absolutely. All right, Justin, your uh, your final your final one.
1: My final one is going to be
2: <clears throat> the uh, Boldy game winning goal as basically time expired against New Jersey Devils. Again, uh, come and play a really good team. Uh, you know, kind of wonder how you'll match up against them. You go up one nothing with a nice Mason Shaw wraparound goal. Kind of a one nothing game throughout the whole thing, and then of course Timo Meyer scores a goal, ties it up, goes to overtime, and you're thinking, oh shit! It says is... <laughs> you can see the seconds counting down. I, this is gonna go to shootout, and I I don't really want to well, face these guys in the shootout because they got a pretty good team. Correct me if I'm wrong. You know. did the
0: Devils hit? Didn't they hit the post right before? Yeah, the the so over. yeah, I think yeah. they hit the
2: post, and then it like came out. Right to Bobby, who <laughs> <and laughs> was like checking behind the play. <laughs> yeah, he was just gas because he'd been out there a while. He comes down and s- scores with basically no time left. I think like one point two seconds, but basically his time expired, and, and you know. I remember vividly remembered. I was so pumped up in my basement trying to be quiet. Cause my kids were sleeping, just, just geeking out. And it I was just maybe one of the, the funnest moments of the year. Not one of it, not maybe it was one of the funnest moments of the year. There's definitely be mean,
0: moments like that when I'm a father that I'm probably going to wake my kids up. Cause I'm just, yeah. gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to scream. <laughs> like ah, Oops. Well, come on kids. Come watch replay and then go
1: back to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I remember he, I think he said too in the after, in the post game, I mean, watching live, it was like, you know, shoot the damn puck, don't, don't skate in and try to move. And he said, I think he said uh, after the game that if he had looked up at the clock, he wouldn't have gone backhand and probably wouldn't have scored. So, you know, <laughs> thank God he listened to his instincts there. Right. Not- I think the
0: one thing that no one's talking about, and, you know, sources, I have no sources, and this is a joke. Um, but i think him and miko Koivu are working behind the scenes because Matt Boldy mm. likes to go forehand backhand shelf he he's he tried does. a couple times on breakaway shootouts he's fanned a couple times but it's a work in progress he's he's trying to learn it um but like that it, like that goal was one example he's done a couple other times like it the moves there and uh you know he's he's following after you know one of the greatest to ever do the forehand backhand so i uh, mm-hmm. just want to get that out there that i think maybe behind the scenes Boldy and Koivu are doing a little a little bit of a little bit of mentorship program. Hmm. So that's my theory. Put that,
2: with that <laughs> your your theory pipe and smoke it. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Zeke, uh, your final one.
1: Yeah, for uh, me, it's probably my top one too. Is the uh, pre sob hat trick against yeah. Columbus, with the overtime one win of the I ones made.
0: we all three had on our list. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was that's. Pretty, I mean, I'm sure that would be on anybody's, but. I don't know it was just they were playing really. I mean, they weren't playing horribly against. I mean, there it was Columbus who was pretty dreadful this year, and Rizlakins who was, you know, probably one of the, the worst goalie uh, by far this year in the league. I think I think you tweeted out that he had allowed like twenty four something goals more than expected, and that first the first two periods, you know, of course the Wild he stopped like two something above expected. In the first two periods made like thirty saves in the first. 30 minutes the game or whatever it's like oh you know because you know it was like you said this was them battling for their playoff spot at that time still it was like you know really can't be dropping games to columbus and you just i mean it was at that time of the year too before he got hurt where every game they were down it's like well you know gonna need 97 to show up and uh, and basically win the game for us and it it, it was almost not a surprise because it's just he's you know there's been a little bit of struggles in the playoffs but you know outside, you know, for the most part, it always seems like he's, he's got that clutch gene. He's always, you know, comes with a big goal, especially in third periods whenever his team needs him. And, and, you know, it's basically the, you know, get on boys, let's go. I'm going to, we're going to get the win here tonight. And just, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's just another one of the, uh, I mean, we've talked about him millions of times and how amazing he is, but it's just kind of a, you know, holy crap moment that, you know, that guy's on our team and, you know, the, yeah, the fact that you have one player who can basically will you to a win is, uh, especially in that fashion, is is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think you could ask any Wild fan who follows the team relatively close and be like, "Do you remember the Kaprizov game?" Speaking about this, last year, and every fan would know exactly what game you were talking mm-hmm. about because he just took that game over. Um, pulled a tweet that was back um, late February. Uh, obviously, scored all three goals in that game. You know, the hat trick. Um, had 34 percent of the entire team's expected goals, 18 percent of the team's shots, 19 percent of the team's shot attempts, and 36 percent of the team's high danger chances, in the game by himself. Like he, that wasn't that wasn't the the team when he was on the ice. That was just him, just what he did by himself. Like just the way he took over that game and just willed them to victory and said, "Fuck it, I'll do it myself." Um, and he did. Like it was just it was incredible. Like I I just remember like he has to score this overtime winner because it's just it's gonna it's gonna break the wild fandom like it's gonna send us <laughs> into a frenzy and it did um it did. and you know probably is you know uh, easily one of the probably the top you know if if it's not the top easily top three moments i think of this wild season hands down yeah 100 all right and then my last one we're sticking with the hat tricks theme uh it's got to be boldy's two hat tricks nine days apart um, I mean, it was just insane like it, it was just that stretch where he just absolutely could not stop scoring um you know it, it was he was getting bounces I mean things were bouncing off him going in it seemed like every time he shot the puck it was like labeled for a corner like I think the thing that we even looked overlooked in that stretch is like he probably hit like another like four to five posts in that mm-hmm. stretch too like he could have had so yeah. many um in that so many more than he already had in that final stretch but I mean, hat-tricks don't come easy, and I feel like, you know, we, we look at – I think if you look at the list of wild players who have hat-tricks, like, I don't know if that list is more than maybe 10 to 15 names, like, in franchise history. Like, it just – it doesn't happen a lot here. Like, um, And just to see, you know, Bully do it twice in nine days, you know, when you're without your best goal yeah. scorer. And, you know, I think Justin kind of speaks, you know, a little bit to when you are talking about just that last second, you know, that game winner and then with the extension. Like, he just – he stepped up and said, hey, I can be that dude um when i have to um you know that's that's a lot of weight to put on a you know 21 22 year old kid um but he took it in stride and you know absolutely absolutely took games over and um you know it was really close cool to celebrate two boldy hat tricks in less than less than two weeks so uh definitely a a, a good good memory for me
2: yeah uh, not much to add to that but basically in that stretch you know before that stretch kind of having that season we're like okay Is he even going to get to 25 goals? Like, you know, just the sophomore slide type thing. But then he just blew up and then finished with 31 goals on the season. You just, you know, see the the player that, you know, player he could be. And, you know, continue to improve on
1: that and just get you excited about the future for him. And, you know, the best, coolest thing about all those goals he was scoring, it was just, you know, he was ripping them too. Yeah. You know, the riff shots. It wasn't just, you know, oh, picking a nice fancy corner getting a little lucky it was you know bar down off corner of the post like it was like hold. i mean you know you kind of were like he was he was
0: shooting ball. to score like he was yeah. trying to put the puck through the back of the net
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i think i think that's how dean i think dean evison yeah. said something along those lines that's at one point right.
1: so mm-hmm.
0: all right there you have it um would absolutely love to hear, you know, throw us a, a mention on Twitter at this point on uh, mm-hmm. the show, as long as you're not in the car driving. Uh, just tweet us some of your favorite memories from the year. Um, you know, just like to see what other people, you know, kind of remember because obviously it's an 82 game season and can't remember everything, but maybe there's a little moment here or there that, you know, that we didn't talk about. I know we each had a couple additional things on our list that didn't make the cut. So always curious to hear uh, what those sound like, but um, mm-hmm. player cards will be coming up the next two weeks. Um, and that'll kind of wrap up our coverage of the 2022-2023 season. Uh, we're gonna take a little bit of time here because we don't have time to run through uh, fifteen forwards um, in thirty minutes. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kind of bounce around a little bit here, reorganize things a little bit, and kind of run through um, what we deem to be Bill Guerin's and the Minnesota Wilds front office uh, off season checklist. So there's a handful of things we believe are important, at least to Um, You know, things to obviously need to get done, things to consider, um, things to explore, those types of things. So You just kind of want to run through some of those. A couple minutes on each topic here, I think we'll kind of prioritize it from maybe the most important things, maybe to the more like exploratory, this might be on the radar, but should be on the radar uh, type of thing. So I think the obvious place to start here first um, is the restricted free agent extension. So there's a couple big ones out there. Um, obviously Philip Gustafson, who we can talk about here first. Um, the other players in this mix that would need a new RFA deal, Brandon Duham, Mason Shaw, um, Sam Steele, and then also Kalen Addison, um, an RFA as well. Uh, but let's start with Gus cause obviously he is the, probably the top priority of that list of RFAs. Um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously his price just got more and more expensive as the season went on, um, which, you know, was a good and a bad thing, right? Like he was so much better than you thought, um, and as a result, you're gonna have to pay him um, a lot more than yeah. you thought, uh, as well. Um, and then I wanted to, uh, frick, I had it somewhere, but it was so buried in my timeline. Uh, keeping in mind, I think the wild, if you include Rossi and in Faber's contracts, I think are something like six point seven or six point eight million in cap space, um, barring any other trades. Um, I think if, if memories are, it's somewhere around there. If you don't include those contracts, it's like eight ish million. I think, correct me if I'm wrong there, eight, 8.2 or something. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we
0: talk like well, numbers through here, like keep in the back yeah. of your mind, like we'll round to seven, that they have $7 million roughly to play with as things stand right now. So uh, whoever <laughs> wants to start on Gus, uh, that, that's where we'll start here. Well,
2: um, you know, personally, I think not, we need to resign him. Uh, I don't know what the contract looks like. Um, somewhere <laughs> probably between three and four, I would think. Maybe. I, I'm not very good at, at contract projections, but um, I feel like he's one of those guys that, that you need to, you know, he, he could be the future one. And, you know, of course, we have Volstead coming up. He'll be eventually the 1A, but, you know, until then, with one year left of flurry uh, and the way he played this season. I, I just, I think we need to find a way to bring him back and, and sign him a contract, even if it's like a bridge contract to get him to the end of cap hell or something. Um, I think it's gotta, we gotta find a way just, yeah, just kind of throwing shit at the wall, but you know, kind of my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. just well, think...
0: I'll speak, jump in really quick. So then you can talk. So mm-hmm. um, evolving wild Ooh. does contract projections, found my tweet here um, on Philip Gustafson. So they do a pretty darn good job of projecting term, what the AAV looks like, um, kind of based on not necessarily how good that player was, but how the market tends to value a player of that type. Um, and they're usually pretty spot on um, their margin. Like there's going to be some that are wrong. Um, I think we talked a little bit. Johansson kind of came in at a bargain compared to what they projected, um, mm-hmm. but things like that. Um but they project his most likely contract two years, $3.881 million. Um, other possibilities, they, they, they have that as the most likely other possibilities. Uh, one year by 3.56, three years by four and a half, and then uh, four years um, by about five million. So, um, Justin, I think speaking to your point that, you know, at three to four, you're looking at, you know, to follow within that range based on their projections, you're only looking at a one to two year deal potentially
2: which would get us to the end of cap hell and, and maybe get him a, a bigger contract or, or if you feel like Voss says that yeah. one and he wants to be a one somewhere else, you got a trade bait there. So, yeah, um, I think we got to sign him at least through the cap hell and, and you know, get to that point point, see how he continues to play, how he continues to develop, how Voss continues to develop and, and kind of go from there really.
1: I think, you know, I think a, Part of this obviously just is from the you know the team's point of view is we know how goalies could be kind of volatile year to year you obviously don't want to uh you know you don't want to go the to their examples the four years get into the five million range and have you know uh not that he's the same goalie but you don't want to be like signing jack campbell the five-year deal at five million your year and then be stuck with the guy who you know i mean to be fair even if gustin does progress a little bit he's still probably a well above average goalie uh, in terms of around the league, but I always have thought you know in terms of price, it seems probably likely that it's got to just be better than you know. Assuming Flurry's around, got to probably be at least three seven five. You know, makes him the number one goalie, the top paid goalie, like you guys said. So uh, I, I think I think like you said, they're evolving wild projections. That's that seems pretty. Uh, I mean, like you said, it is pretty accurate, but that that was about what I had in my head too.
0: Yeah, so you're looking at you know if he comes in about you know in between that three and a half four million, there's over half of half to a little more than half of what you have left. Um, still needing, I think it would be, I think they'd be need if you include Rossi in the mix. I think you'd need to basically three more forwards, and mm-hmm. depending on how you view your blue line, maybe one more defenseman. So you're still looking at maybe needing four players with. Your last three and a half to three million dollars.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's we'll talk about the trades later. But I mean, this is where we—they'll probably uh, we assume they'll make a move or two to free up some. But I mean,
0: that's just how tight it is, right? Yeah. Um, I will throw something into the mix here that's just kind of been in the back of my mind a little bit. So Zeke, Mm -hmm. you talked about the volatility of goaltending, and we basically kind of heard Bill Guerin talk about. How the while they're playing with one hand behind their back. Um, Mm -hmm. So it got me to thinking, you know, the the idea of asset management. If Bill Guerin does, and and I I don't think he'll come out and say this, but I think we, if you kind of read between the lines, I don't know that Bill Guerin believes he can construct a team across the next two years that can win a Stanley Cup, right? And mm-hmm. so with how volatile goaltenders can be, and then if you want to maximize an asset, while it's probably at its peak value, and I'm not saying they should go out and do this, but I'm, but what I would think they need to be doing is seeing what the trade value for Philip Gustafson is right now. Because um, obviously there are teams out there right now. I mean, you look at, you know, it could be potentially a team like Vegas oh, yeah. who has cycled through goalies. The LA Kings mm-hmm. have not found a goalie basically since... Jonathan Quick kind of started to regress into more of kind of that veteran backup status. Um, You know, Seattle got some good goaltending this year. Um, New Jersey maybe has their goalie feature in Akira Schmid, but there are teams out there um, that might, you know, want a young goaltender and might be willing to pay a, you know, somewhat of a premium price to get it. Um, And, you know, we talk about how difficult it is to acquire, you know, young potential, you know, number one or top six centers either pretty much have to draft him or trade for him. Um, And I think this could be a situation where the Wild, you know, maybe take their shot, um, maximize an asset in Gustafson, and go out and try to acquire, you know, a legit top six center, um, top six forward of some kind, maximize the return on Gustafson. Because if in your head you believe like, hey, yeah, we'll sign up this two-year deal if it goes well, What do you do at that point, right? Because that's probably your assumption for about your timeline of Gustafson being ready. Do you just let him walk at that point? Are you maybe, you know, maybe at that point, are you maybe now if if things continue to go well, are you just extending him? And, you know, is it now Jesper Volstead on the trade block potentially? Um, But, you know, he's a younger goalie. He's going to be cheaper for a little while. Like, you know, talk about maximizing, you know, maybe your cap in other areas. So I'm not saying it's something they absolutely need to do. But I think, you know, a smart GM is going to go out, see what that looks like. Um, because if you just believe, hey, we want to just be a competitive team, you know, you have in under contract, right? There's going to be <laughs> some veteran options. That you can maybe go out and sign to a, you know, even if it's a one-year deal, you just, you know, sign a 1A or a 1B for the next two years and hope that they can just kind of be average and keep the team afloat. Um, you maybe going to be hit lightning in a bottle again with another, you know, a young goalie or something um, that you, you know, pluck off the, pluck off out of free agency. But, um, you know, I like Gus, and I would like to see him stay around. But at the same time, it's just it's just something that's kind of crossed my mind, and um, it just has me kind of curious about what what they could potentially get for him. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the, the advantage they have too is he is an RFA, um, so you know that a, a team that they could sign and then trade him, or a team you know could potentially have that negotiating ability. So there's a little more control in the mix there too, which I think makes it a little bit easier to trade him if you want to go that route.
1: And I think, you know, obviously, you know, we've, it's been mentioned the offer sheet potential concern with him too, is maybe a team wants to, you know, throw an offer sheet at him at the, uh, under the threshold to make it where it's just a second or third round pick or whatever it is. Exactly. I don't know off the top of my head, which, you know, although I never really (coughs) too seriously, because that's happened like once in the last 15 years, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's just another tough reality. I guess there are, uh, situation the next two years of you know obviously you know there was you know mixed thoughts on what Garrett said in his you know postseason press conference there you know basically insinuating like you said brett that he doesn't really think they have a chance to win very much the next two years and obviously as a fan you don't really love to hear that necessarily especially when you know we've been waiting for that success as long as we have but you know as you mentioned too if you can get uh you know the equivalent of you know first round draft pick value in somebody who's a young, like you said, center who can fill a need for this team much more. I mean, like, cause obviously, as you said, they have Jesper out of the system. It's not, you know, they don't goaltending. Isn't necessarily a super need right now compared to where they're at center, where we saw last year, if they get, you know, one or even two guys going down, they're kind of screwed right now with that position. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, I don't, it's just one of the, uh, that's just a hard decision that, they have to think about whether they want to make, as you said. So,
2: Yeah, that, I, you know, I didn't really think of that. <clears throat> I know it's been brought up on Russo stuff. I just I haven't had time to listen to it um, or read any of that stuff. But, you know, that that does make sense. You don't want to lose him. But, you know, the next couple of years are going to be extremely tough. And, you know, it is good having, a, like you guys mentioned, a, basically a future 1A that, at least on paper, looks to be the future goaltender. So, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically it brings us to one go ahead, finish. I would say point. if it brings us the top six center or something like that, I mean yeah, I guess you, you gotta consider that. And then yeah, I do have a screenshot of Friedman's opera sheet compensation for 2023. Wow, so basically so in his range point. of you know, his range of what his contract is projected is basically a second round pick as yep. compensation.
0: Yeah, so a second round pick would be between two point one million and And 4.25 million essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's, and the only teams that can offer that, so you have to have that pick in next year's draft. So 2024. The teams that could offer that are Anaheim, Arizona, Buffalo, Calgary, Carolina, um, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Edmonton, LA, Nashville, Islanders, Rangers, Senators, uh, Penguins, Sharks, Seattle, St. Louis, and Vegas. So you look at, you know, is he really going to leave an opportunity in Minnesota to sign? Because that's the other thing with off sheets is like the player still has to agree to that contract and want yeah, to go yeah, play for true. that team. So you can probably rule out the bottom feeder. So he's not going to the Ducks. He's not going to the Yotes. He's, you know, the Sabres could maybe be enticing, but, you know, is that a team that's going to make an offer, you know, that just, you know, has their goalie of the future that just came in the mix late in the year? I, I doubt it um calgary they have marks under contract carolina is maybe a spot but you know they just gave a you know a, a decent extension to kachetkov so do they really want to bring in another goalie maybe maybe not chicago you know they could but is you know does he want to go to a team that whose whole team right now is going to be Connor bedard and that's in the, the list probably not columbus still rebuilding dallas has ottinger detroit is maybe a spot but um, you know, there's the Swedish connection there. Obviously, the Irishmen liking Swedish. They Swedes. have Costa too, though. yeah, but they have Costa in the mix, right? Edmonton, you know, their future is in Jack Campbell. LA was a team we talked about his potential there. Nashville, obviously, has Saros. Um, the Islanders, you know, have uh, Samsonov, Rangers, Shesterkin, Ottawa would be hilariously ironic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that's a place that, that makes a lot of sense. But you know, are you really going to go back to the team that you know essentially kind of gave up on you? Uh, for a veteran, tough to say. Pittsburgh is spiraling into a rebuild. Nashville's in the middle of a rebuild. Um, Seattle has, I think, you know, a significant amount of money invested um, in their goaltending right now. So are they really going to put a third one on the roster? St. Louis obviously is Bennington. and then Vegas is another, you know, potential location we talked about. But you know, they have some guys there. They've just been playing through injuries. So like, of that list, like, he has to agree there. So I mean, that's part of the reason. Like, and that's if they come in that range. And like I think the Wild would maybe even consider matching at that high end, you know. I you know I, I think Gus, I think you could trade him for more than a second round pick. I would think. Yeah. Um. So at that point, you you know you probably match and then maybe try to flip, um, to all teams in that scenario. Um. And then that next level debt or that next level up would be between four point two and six point three, which might be the area that prices the Wild out. In which case, they get a first and a third in um, next year's draft, where I think you maybe have to consider that, especially when you look at the teams, again, in that mix, which would be um, the Ducks, the Yotes, the Sabres, um, Blackhawks, Jackets, Red Wings, Canadians, um, Predators, Flyers, uh, Canucks, Jets, mm-hmm. Capitals, like teams that could be bad in 2024 where that maybe turns into a top 15 pick. I think that's the point where you maybe consider yeah. just, all right, yep, yeah, go for it. Uh, but we'll see. So that's you know it's it, it he'll be a really interesting story to watch. I mean it, it sounds like he wants to play here the way Bill Guerin has talked about it. It sounds like he's confident they'll get a deal done. So I lean that's what probably will happen. Um, yes. But I think ultimately, like just kind of like what, the thought that just kind of stays in the back of my mind um, is. You know, regardless, in two years, they're going to probably have to make a decision on Gus or Volstead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think now, you know, I, I would hope that Gus is still really good, um, you know, in the next two years. But part of my mind is like, is that value going to be the same in two years? At which point I think he would be an unrestricted free agent. So your only trade option would be to deal him at the deadline, which could still be possible, I suppose. But like, I really do think that value might be maximized, you know, maybe it's this season, you know, maybe it's after this season, if, you know, things maybe look like they need another year, who knows, but mm-hmm. someone wanted to get out there, get my thoughts on, so. Sure. All right, uh, moving down our list here, the next um, kind of the RFAs, we just kind of talk about, I think the next two, I think are ones where pretty confident we'll get done. Um, that's Brandon Duhay, and Mason Shaw. We can start with Shaw because it's, you know, it's, there's no deal in place but if you mm-hmm. basically read like they've mm-hmm. talked about like we believe he'll come back and you know we want to give him the support that he needs and he's going to be rehabbing in Minnesota like they're like i think it's more of a question is how is that structured you know, is it an nhl deal or is it maybe an ahl deal with incentives um, cuz i think that i don't know exactly what the timeline to put him at i wouldn't i don't think it'd be game 1 but i think it could maybe be within still the first month or two months oh, of the months, season yeah.
2: Yeah, I absolutely, you know, read between the lines of what they're talking about. You feel like he's going to come back, and, and I feel like he deserves it. He's worked his butt off. To, I mean, who tears four ACLs and, and comes back like he has, and just a workhorse. He was such a good, you know, player for the penalty kill, and and bottom six, that, that line he was on was just really good for good chunks of the season, so, you know, important bottom six player that hopefully he recovers and comes back the same again. You just know he has a work
1: ethic too, but, I just, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, no, not, obviously not anything too complicated here. And, you know, he probably wasn't going to be a, uh, you know, he's obviously not going to be super expensive to on the contract total for his salary so that, uh, you know, it won't be an issue, obviously, of, of fitting him in or anything like that, regardless of whichever, you know, kind of way they choose to, uh, do that, uh, as you guys mentioned. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't think, like I said, there's not much, there's not much doubt on whether that's going to get done. So, in fact, it might technically be done. They might have it basically agreed upon already in principle. So,
0: yeah, you know, I think too. I think he just plays the style of hockey. I think that Dean and Bill Guerin like like he's his motor mm-hmm. never stops. He, you know, he physical, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, if we'll talk about it in our player review cards, but his underlying numbers are, you know, f- for the role he plays are, are very good. Um, you know, we kind of just scratched the surface of the NHL this year, and, you know, we saw how much, you know, the penalty kill missed him. Um, I mean, we and then just his presence in the locker room, too. I and mean, we talked about that let's play hockey, how jacked the bench was. I mean, we know that that bromance between, you know, him and Dewar has been, you know, eternal um, basically since both the two arrive in Iowa and, you know, they have that chemistry and the penalty killing on the fourth line. And um, I just think, you know, all those things, and you look at, you know, what that's going to cost you, like, that's the kind of player that, that's the kind of player in the contracts that are going to need to kind of buy you time for the next couple of years. And um, I can just see him being, you know, kind of, he might just be a career fourth liner, bottom six guy, but um, I mean, if there's the type of player I want as my fourth liner bottom six, I mean, Mason Shaw is the guy and, you know he's come yeah. back from it three times before um and you know i, I why well, why can't he easily do it a fourth time right so right um yeah and then the next one we'll talk about here uh Brandon Dewhame. So this is the pl- other player that like if i had to bet money um like if there's the next four that the wild sign i think duham would be where my money goes um another guy we'll talk about a lot next week but um he had a really impressive season like took steps forward in pretty much every single category across the board. Um, you know, as a guy I think has proved that, you know, we saw him take reps in the top six um, third line. He played fourth line in the playoffs, like a guy that has that flexibility to move up and down the lineup. Again, another guy that plays the way, you know, the wild like to play. Um, he cleaned up the discipline immensely this year. Um, our buddy Seth Topol pointed that out on Twitter. Um, we'll, we'll, I'll find that for, for next week, but really cleaned up his penalty minutes. Um, and I don't think a guy that's going to be super expensive. I think the evolving hockey projections, was like 1.2 or 1.5 or something, uh, for a couple mm-hmm. of years. So, um, you know, I think it's a guy that'd be too valuable to, to let go or let someone else grab, because I think he's, you know, I don't know if there's a, a massive ceiling there, but there's a really solid floor. I think that like at worst is a quality fourth liner and at best might be a very usable, um, important piece to a third line.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you just saw his style plays. He, he he seemed quicker this year too. Just he of yeah. It's just a pest. I mean, you mentioned it up and down the lineup. You saw him take Shaw's spot on the penalty kill when he went out. Just uh, a guy that's really I feel like solidifying his spot and at least the bottom six of the lineup. A player that, you know seems like the type of player you you want for the playoffs and um kind of the bottom six guy you want on the, these teams that are gonna be coming up like. We're gonna have hopefully the prospects turn out how we want to, but you need these bottom six guys too, to the to fill mm-hmm. those roles. And uh, I really like him. I really like his game, and I uh, uh, I I'd, I'd bet money on him coming back too.
1: And is he gonna? Is I mean, I feel like if you're, is he a guy that's gonna cost like maybe just a little over a million bucks? A yeah, year? I think like
0: it was or between no one there? and one and a
1: half. Okay, so yeah, they can do that pretty easily. So yeah. at least right now
0: and then kind of the final two rfas that they have decisions to make um Mm -hmm. sam Steele um and then kaylin addison so we'll start with addison i think because that's the more pressing of those two um you know i i don't know if we have to spend too much time here necessarily because i think we're all probably in the same boat of like it's way too early to give up on him. um and he's a guy that's going to need a little bit of a leash, but maybe also not being anchored to John Merrill could potentially help things. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, I will talk a lot of, I did a very long write up if you read my thread on Kaelin Addison and my thoughts. So I don't want to spoil that for that show in a couple weeks, but um, basically like I'll give the gist, like a very short version is um, there are areas of his games that could be improved, um, but I don't think his year was as bad as it was perceived by the coaches and management, at least analytically speaking. I mean, I know some of the eye tests will refute some of what I say, but um, you know, I think this is a young player that needs to be coached and a, a, not a leash that needs to be cut.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, man, with how much you scratch at the end of the year, you almost wonder if he'll be traded, but I, I'd love to. I mean, I want him to get another chance. Get you know, He's young. You can see what he did to the power play, and uh, like you said, clean up some, some of his defensive game, and uh, I don't want to give up on him
1: yet, I really don't, so I hope they find a way to resign him. And I, I believe, I think, didn't uh, they say he was staying here for a lot of the summer to train and practice and all that, or is that somebody else, but uh, regardless, I mean... I think I like, yeah, the, they did say
0: that about guys. Addison, but, yeah. you know, I... Well, I mean, you're not going to say otherwise at this point.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was telling, uh, you know, whether you or not when, you know, I think Russo asked Garen on that podcast that a couple of weeks ago, you know, is he coachable? Is he that kind of guy? And he basically said, well, we'll see, which, you know, you know obviously they're not come out seeing, but it's pretty telling when, you know, he's going, well, we'll see. Like, it doesn't sound like he was very, at least from his, the way him and the coaches view, uh, you know, players and all that didn't yeah. seem and like if, they're very confident.
0: And if that ends up being more the deciding factor than the skill, then i totally get that. Like, hey, you just don't see eye to eye with your development is at. But for me, it's like, I just don't want those mm-hmm. things to cut his value. Like, yeah, I'm not, I tried to try to word this right without making a lot of people angry. Like, I don't want to trade him, but if you can get a good asset for him, I'm not opposed to it. Like I, I still don't know in my head what that is. Um but like a young, right shot, cost controlled defenseman who can run a power play, like that seems like something that would be attractive to a lot of teams. Like maybe potentially some of these even rebuilding teams are gonna have, you know, even if you get a second, you know, that might look more like a late first or something too. So um
1: what isn't he, he, I'm kinda of just probably more him. valuable to them than Right. So that's that's what action. I'm
0: saying is like I I don't know what that value is, but you would think there would be some out there. I'm just like it wouldn't be on they 100. wouldn't to trade him for a bag of pucks. And it, right. and that's sort of the other thing I think too is you don't have to trade him. Like you could get him I think his minimum qualifying offer is like eight hundred and fifty thousand or something on like a one year deal, like, hey, we'll give you one more shot at this to be coachable and mm-hmm. you know, it. For a cap strap team, that might be the solution. Like, it could just be a one-year deal, and we'll see where it goes.
2: Right. I'm just spitballing with this, and I don't want to go too far into a rabbit hole. But would you trade him in our first to move up in the first this year?
0: It would depend how, how far.
2: What would that look like? How far? I guess that's yeah. the thing. Like how far up? Yeah.
0: Like I think that be
2: like okay, maybe like do this yeah I like I will, the, like, well, Gustafson thing. it's like let's I, I don't know I, yeah I don't
0: let, know. Let, let's jump around on our list because we had that as one of our mm-hmm. options is it was explore options to move up in the draft um so we'll jump mm-hmm. around a little bit here just kind of on the list we're going to go through um I think they should explore that because you look at I mean they're going to have what like six or seven like under 21 year old defensemen playing in Iowa this year and if for some mm-hmm. reason Faber doesn't You know, make the team, which I don't anticipate that being the case. But if that were to happen, there'd be like eight, like young, like (laughs) under 21 or 22 and younger defensemen in the AHL. Like all those guys can't play. Like Bardeen's under contract, Spurden's under contract. Like you're not going to be running a blue line of four young, like it's just not going to happen. Um, like you have assets there, like you know, prop, you you have good forwards, they're probably not all going to play either. Um, Like, you have pieces that teams will be interested in to move up. But my question is, like, are there going to be teams that are willing to move back? Because I think while this draft is deep, there's also just so much skill, like, in that top 15. Like, our team's like, hey, we have this top 15 pick, but, like, most years this might be a top 8 pick or a top 10 pick or something. Um, like to put in perspective, like how, like at least how top heavy this draft is. Scott Wheeler did a mailbag um, on the draft, and someone asked him like, where would you rank like Slavkovsky and Wright and all these guys um, like at this time last year if they were in this draft class? And he said the high. He said their range would have been between six and nineteen, <laughs> meaning the top five players oh, yeah. in this draft, all five of them, oh, yeah. he would rank higher than anybody. Taken in last year's draft class, knowing what he knew then, so yeah. like absent of anything they did this year, but like that to me was mind blowing. Like if that that kind of like put in perspective, like okay, that's like how good, and I, you know I think the top five you know was obviously it's Bedard, Carlson, Mitch Coff, um, Fantilli, uh, Fantilli, and then uh right, Will Smith. Will Smith, I think, are kind of like the <laughs> consensus ish. Top five, yeah. like and all of those projected to be better than like than Shane Wright than Taraj Levkowski, like the whole gambit. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, like I I really I, I would love the idea to move up and I you know would pretty much be willing to move any asset that isn't probably Faber, Husinov, Rossi or volstead Um like I'm open to even like those higher like if it is a Lambos, if it is an Addison, like if you're moving up significantly I think yeah. there's enough good players there where I'd be like, yeah. And if, if it's Chad Brackett making the picks, I'm like, well, let's go. Yeah. So I'd be able yeah, yeah. to, I just, I'm, I don't know. I mean, it may have to be a team that has multiple picks or something, but it could Arizona, Arizona, yeah. <laughs> As <you Yes>. <laughs> kind of sometimes. But at some Six point too, 12. like they have so many draft picks, like how many more do you want? At some point you got to start turning that into like players or something. Right. Yeah. So, I well, know. I mean,
1: if you can, like we've talked about, if you can, uh, I would assume if they're going to move up, they would. You would prefer to probably pick a center at whatever spot you're going to. I mean, that's
0: and there's a there's a decent up, so. crop. Like it's very forward heavy. Mm-hmm. Like I think like a lot of rankings like have one defense in the top fifteen. Mock drafts like have like three to four taken just because of positional need, and that's the way it goes. But like it's definitely a forward heavy draft. I, there's probably like. Probably between five and seven centers that'll probably go somewhere in the top twenty. I think, which yeah. I don't know if that's comparable to usual years, but it feels like there's more than usual.
2: Yep, move up, get Mitchkov. <clears throat> give us a Russian five. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think they said like Washington. I don't know where they got that pick from.
2: Uh, are they just that bad? This no, no, because they're picking like
0: sixth or seventh. I think, or maybe maybe I'm.
2: They're eighth, yeah, eighth, yeah, eight. yeah,
0: yeah. Is that where they finished? Or did that? Yeah, no, they big. must
2: have, because they didn't wow. make the. Yeah, they got eliminated from playoffs fairly. Well, because like I think people said Chicago he won't,
0: first. he won't no. slip past. Like the Capitals will take him if he's there. Um, I also saw like I think some people think the Ducks would be comfortable taking him. I think there was like one other team they said could maybe Montreal. I think was the other people said that yeah. might take the shot. So. Yeah, I think like five to eight is where people are thinking it'll yeah. go just depending on kind of, I think if like the top four goes as expected and things like that. So,
1: mm-hmm. but,
0: <coughs> yeah. So I think we're on the same boat, like we're open to moving up just, it would depend if you how high and you yeah.
2: Know. What we give up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, let's go next. Sam Steele real quick. Um, To me, it's, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't qualify him an offer and kind of almost maybe replay how last summer with him and just let him kind of explore the market and, you know, see if he gets a deal that he likes. And if not, you know, maybe once you have all the other stuff figured out and, okay, hey, we need to plug in, you know, a 12th, 13th forward. Would you come back for, you know, a million bucks or whatever? Like, that's more the scenario I see there. Like, I don't see him even getting a qualifying offer. Um, you know he he was useful at times this year, but I just think his spot in the lineup would be better used by a Marco Rossi or a Marco Rossi sorry or an Adam Beckman or a Sammy Walker, um, someone like that. I think you know mm-hmm. obviously Steel plays center, which is you know valuable, but you know, Rossi can play that role and he did play some wing too. And I, I just think at some point you got to give the Walkers the Beckmans a shot, um, and they're going to be cheaper profit than what you're going to be able to get Steel for.
2: Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Just I wrote the lines down, and if we do sign, sign Duhame and Shaw does come back normal, you have one forward spot left, basically, and I'd like to see Rossi Beckman-Walker get that shot. I don't have much to add. That's just kind of what my thoughts were. So just reiterating what you said, and um, I'm fine letting Steele go. I mean, he did have good moments with this team, but like you said, there's young guys that need their chance to start. Yeah. You like know, To
0: me, my issue with Steele was like, And it's maybe unfair to put this on him, but like in the moments where they needed him to step up, he didn't right. It's like, Oh, there was some like injury came in. He had a great game on the third line. It's like, Oh, we had a big injury. We need you to step into the second line center. And we had that, you know, that, that brief good stretch with Kaprizov and Garelo, but then it was like, yep, now you're evaporating nothing again. Like, it mm-hmm. just didn't feel like he was able to like step up. Like, oh, he was this great utility depth piece. Like, yeah, he's good when he didn't have to like be relied on, but like the minute that that pressure rose, it just didn't feel like he was able to rise with it. Hmm.
1: Oh, nothing, nothing else to add there.
0: All right, UFAs. Um, I think we can make this one relatively short. Um, any player they acquired at the deadline, forget about it. They don't have the money. Yep. It's not happening.
1: Well, then they signed Johansson, obviously. Right. So that, yeah. That's
0: like I think ultimately, like the what it came down to there, I like, was like it was going to be between Gus Nyquist and Johansson, and Johansson ended up being cheaper. Like the, mm-hmm. the two years, two mil. I think his projection was like. or 4-1 or something on a two-year deal, so like a pretty nice bargain for the Wild. Um, But none of those other guys coming back. Klingberg's not coming back. Sunquist ain't coming back. Gus ain't coming back. It's not happening. Um, The one player that might, and I think we can spend a little bit of time here, Ryan Reeves. Um, And I'll let you guys talk first before I give my thoughts, but what are your thoughts on bringing back Ryan Reeves?
2: I mean, I'm I wouldn't mind. I think it can be used with other players. Like, like we mentioned before Beckman, Walker, Rossi, but at the same time you saw the difference that he made. As soon as he arrived in Minnesota, this team played different. You know, he's got that locker and personality that, you know, who knows how it was before. Maybe it was a little flat, maybe not as much confidence. This guy is just, you know, really just huge in the locker room. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he play, had some good games when Capriza was out and stuff, you know, scoring goals, but uh, I, I feel like there's there's a fit here for him as long as he's not taking the spot of some of these young guys. But, you know, just his locker room presence was huge with this team this last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, the factor in this too that Russo has been mentioning that one reason in Joe Smith too why they think it's maybe a little more likely is with Matt dumper almost certainly being gone that they don't, want to entirely maybe lose that energizing present in the locker room. And obviously it just, like just mentioned, it just comes down to uh, how much you value the intangibles and, and that kind of stuff off the ice. I mean, it seems that, uh, you know, the coaches and Bill Aaron do to some extent uh, with reuse and with other guys in the past, it seems to be their kind of guy. I mean, you know, he was better. You know, I will say, I think he was better than, uh, even if he wasn't great, he was definitely better than we know. Ne- Kind of thought he would be uh, for most of the year with the wild. He wasn't, uh you know. Obviously, didn't fight a lot, you know, just because no one wants to fight him because how you know terrifying he is to have to fight. But you know, like Justin mentioned, he did seem he was a great guy in the room, you know. And and as you said, it was probably not a total. It wasn't a coincidence that they played well right after they got him for a while. But it's uh you know, like I said, it's just. Uh, I guess it comes down to how much you value having the intangibles and having the the locker room presence the personality on your team and you know if you think that's worth using even maybe a million bucks of your of your space on it uh, so it seems like it's probably gonna happen maybe not but uh you know i'm i'm indifferent i don't hate the idea of him on the team but i think as brett maybe will just say maybe don't love the idea how much they're gonna maybe be paying him or the contract and all that. So.
0: Yeah, for me it just comes down to the opportunity cost. Like mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves is basically kind of who I thought he was. Like it, I was critical of the trade because I said he's just not gonna bring you much. And the things I thought he would bring on the ice never even really came to fruition. Like yeah, he threw his weight around, but like no one would fight him. And then when things did happen, like the one that really sticks, out, when Brandon Duhame got boarded from behind against the Carolina Hurricanes, Reeves was on the ice and did nothing. Uh, you know, Ryan Suter's running around all playoffs, cheap shotting Krokoprisov. Ryan Reeves does nothing. Um, you know, in you know the games, you know the the St. Louis game, things got a hand. Ryan Reeves doesn't really do anything. Um, you know, Krokoprisov gets injured in the Winnipeg game. Ryan Reeves does nothing. Like at this point, like the arguments form to me is you're gonna pay a million plus for a glorified cheerleader, right? Like the he doesn't do anything on the ice. He he had a nice stretch of whatever two weeks where he scored whatever it was like four goals, but like outside of that, his underlying numbers are terrible. Like he doesn't drive offense. Like he's not a liability defensively. But there's nothing there. It's like yeah, this guy's really good defensively. Doesn't kill penalties. Doesn't play in the power play. He averaged nine and a half minutes a night. I don't buy – Bill Garrett had some – but we could play 15 minutes a night. He played more than 11 win. minutes four times all season. Like, cut, cut the shit, Bill. Like, you and I both know you're talking on your ass on that one. Come on. Like, I have respect. But, I mean, it's just – he's a glorified cheerleader. And, like, to me, when when you're a team who, after signing Philip Gustafson, let, let's say that happens, and Brandon Duham Mason Shaw, you're going to be down to $2 million? one and a half million, you want to use that remaining money on Ryan Reeves? It's just not worth it. Like, I, I get the locker room thing, but at some point, like, someone that's that's an opportunity for someone else to become a leader in the locker room. Like, someone else needs to step up. Maybe that's a, you know, maybe it's a Brandon Duhame. Maybe it's a Matt Boldy. Like, maybe it's someone else that has to, like, step up into that hype man, that leadership role. Like, I just, I can't justify paying... A million plus like and this is a guy too where you just had a quote where you said i want to squeeze every penny out of my next contract and he wants a multi-year deal and like yeah, i don't think the wild they're no. putting this guy in a two-year deal to begin with um no. so like unless it's a year at less than a million i'm just out like i just i don't yeah. see i'm not in the locker room so i can't speak to the swagger that he brings but you know speaking from what i'm able to watch the team on the ice like for a guy that comes advertised to be this big, scary, tough guy, he's not that big, scary, tough guy to me anymore. He's like, oh, he had a couple nice big hits, and like maybe a handful of fights, but it's like he's just, you know, I'm not willing to pay for a glorified cheerleader. And the way Bill Guerin talks about him, that's kind of always been described to me at this point. So, yeah,
2: well, well honestly, I'd rather see the rant. young guys. Yeah, I'd rather see the young guys get the opportunity than him get that contract. Cause maybe Beckman comes in but, and is that hype man? we we've seen the energy he brings. Yeah. Maybe he steps into that role and, and he finds his you know his role in the NHL here. And you know, I just I just want to see what these young guys have. So overall, if it blocks one of them, I, I I mean honestly, I I could care less if he comes back or not. I'm just I'd rather have the young guys get the opportunity overall. Um-
1: you know this is you know all the you know a lot of the stats and you know his game that Brett was talking about. I mean that's just obviously that's been who he is. That's how he's been since he was probably eighteen in juniors. Right, like I mean it's not looked, like that's a an anomaly high either. It's like thirty five points. Yeah, in like, juniors.
0: the fact that he like had a stretch of things wasn't was an anomaly. Like yeah, it was he's not going to do that again? I would that's... probably bet money on it.
1: And the only thing I guess I will say is I guess I'm not uh, you know I'm in it with you. Obviously out on if it's. It's got to be a one-year deal. If it isn't, then you know, obviously, yeah, out. Uh, I guess I'm a little bit more open to it. I mean, I guess the fact maybe this is just a sign of, you know, people in hockey being stuck in the past with you know the, the big tough fighting guys and all that. But yeah, I guess maybe it doesn't mean anything. But the fact that he's gotten jobs for, 12 years now, continually, uh, you know, maybe there's reason why a bunch of teams keep wanting him. But I guess that doesn't. Who knows that they could all be wrong? Certainly, but yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll. I don't know. I'm not. I, I agree with you guys. I guess I just. Um, I'm I have one time. further criteria that would make line.
0: me okay with the signing, and that would be if they sign him knowing they're going to ship him out at the deadline and maybe recoup the whatever the fourth or fifth round yeah. pick they spent to give up for him. Yeah. In which yeah. case, like okay, I don't know, being a wash, whatever. Like that would be the only other scenario, but obviously, wouldn't really know if that yeah. happens. And it's like the other thing too, it's like you went out and you traded for Delorier two years ago. You went on traded for Reeves this year. Like, if you fe- like if you are missing that, like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's something you could go out and trade for again if you felt like you had to. And maybe well, you for could
1: cheaper. get one of those guys back pretty much. I mean, you have right. to, I'm sure. So yeah. All
0: right. Um. UFA is done. Um, briefly, I think we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but I think we have a little bit more clarity on some of the potential names, um, and that's the uh, head coach of the Iowa Wild. Um, Brett McLean is a name that's been. Sounds like there's a decent amount of smoke to that now. Um, Brett McLean, you know, a guy I think was brought in by Bill Guerin from the start, um, a guy that is believed to have like head coach in the NHL aspirations. Um, you know, obviously he's someone that was maybe a little bit on the hot seat because I believe he was the one running the power play, um, for the Wild. Um, but they want a guy, maybe a younger guy, who can work with a lot of these younger players, um, you know, And if they did want to bring a new voice into the coaching staff without firing Brett McLean, um, the natural step might be, um, to move him to Iowa to be their head coach. So that's a name in the mix. And then, um, I think where some other ones Russo, throughout, uh, John Torchetti. I uh, once interim coach for the while, I believe currently assistant with the uh, flyers name was thrown in the mix. And then there is a former assistant for the St. Louis blues. It's van. Something is the last name. Um, I, the, the name, the full name escapes me at this yeah, time. I um, but I think those are some of the names I've heard kicked around. Um, I don't know enough about really any of them. Like torch was really fun when he was here as interim. And um, he's a guy that's coached, you know, he's coached juniors. He's coached over in Russia He's worked a lot with young players. He seems like a pretty likable guy. So like, I'm open to that because it seems fun. Um, you <laughs> know, it's a familiar face. But you know, it I could. I'm just I don't I don't know how McLean is on young players. I mean, I really, all I know is this year he coached power play, and power play is good, and Addison was on it and shit when it wasn't. So I don't know how much <laughs> that is coach and how much that right. is lack of Addison. But um, yeah, any other any other thoughts there from you guys on potential? Um, still want to mm-hmm. kick my Miko Koivu idea around, but that doesn't seem to be getting
2: <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, McLean. he's been in the organization for six years, spent three years as an assistant. In Iowa, three years with the Wild now, as we know. Um, if they want a seamless kind of uh, message between what they're teaching with what Dean's bringing to the team and, and what they want, AHL, if they want that seamless, it would kind of make sense since he coached under him. Uh, just kind of a thought I had, but uh, as long as – you know, the guy they bring in is good at developing players and developing some of these young players. So you're gonna have some really good players coming here pretty soon. Um I don't know if they'll start in the AHL or NHL, but still you want them to be able to develop these guys to be, you know, really you know, hopefully top six talent to the NHL. And um, I guess that's my biggest worry is is how they aren't developing players and
1: Well that's yeah. That's what we've that's, you know, like you, like you said, just that's what we've talked about. And a bunch of people talked about that, you know, they had developed the, uh, you know, the bottom six guys, like the, uh, the Shaws and the Doers and all that, who are all obviously really good players and really useful. But as you mentioned, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, like we talked about with, with you know, maybe there's a tie in with first off, potentially being frustrated and going back to Russia or guys like that, maybe not panning out exactly, you know, maybe, you know, might still pan out yet who knows It's obviously you know they're making that changes but that was you know maybe the concern that we get gotten the idea that they want somebody who can maybe work with a little as you said the high skill a little bit more and hopefully translate that from you know the the minors to the nhl eventually
2: you talking about uh mike van Ryn? yes that's okay. yeah i think it's oh, mike okay. ryan is sorry uh ryan yeah sorry no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know shit about him. I just I that was a name Russo. Yeah, I, don't, I think, I don't think Russo idea. kicked that around. Either on either in a podcast or I think it was in a podcast yeah. he, he brought that name up. So Um Yeah. Uh I think that kind of goes hand in hand. Like we thought maybe the when we wrote this uh this kind of this show show notes here, um originally we thought maybe there'd be a little more heat on the assistant coaching staff. Um uh, but that seems to have cooled a little bit. It sounds like um garen or slash evison like backed up bob woods's penalty kill saying oh it was because we didn't have Ek and Shaw," um and uh, like the regular season performance was there so maybe that holds some water potentially um we'll so it sounds like they might be okay so i don't want to really spend too much time there if something changes we can talk about it when it happens um talked about moving up in the draft. Um, the last little note here is I think we just had kind of exploring the trade market, right? There's a handful of guys you can probably – we talked about Gus. Um, obviously, we talked about, you know, potentially Addison. And then you have um, guys like Felino, Goligoski, Merrill, Zuccarello. Um, God forbid if they consider, you know, moving on from Rossi. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I think we'll, we'll talk our ears off. But, um, you know, I think basically it's, you know, it's your – bottom pair defenseman, you know, maybe you just want a fresh start on your bottom pairing. Um, that's kind of why I see it. Or it's, you know, what are the guy, who are the guys on expiring contracts? So that's your, then that, that's where, you know, Foligno would come in, Zuccarello would come in, um, you know, things like that. And then obviously I think that would be Fleury, but I, he's a full no move. So unless there's some really enticing offer from him, you know. Pittsburgh. Yeah, like like Joe Smith, I think are like, like a Sidney Crosby, Pittsburgh reading or something. It's, you know. <laughs> Basically, how how can they clear cap with you know losing a player that they could replace? Right. Zuccarello, obviously, um, Zuccarello wrote. I mean, some of those, not all those players, easily replaceable, but like some of those guys, you could maybe slide in. Like I think, uh, you know, a, a Duhamel could fill a role that Marcus Foligno playing, and obviously that voice in mm-hmm. locker and the physical presence, the energy, like people will pay for that. I think, especially at the deadline. So if things aren't going well, I would not be surprised to see Marcus Foligno moved this year. Mm-hmm. Um, well that's in the offseason trade in line to be determined unless you know they really surprise us next year which full disclosure for our previous show next year i am expecting the wild to take a slight another step back next year from what they were this year but
2: you know i'd be interested <coughs> i really had the subsequent subsequent trades as you know kind of the addison Goligosky, Merrill Obviously, we talked about Addison already, but you could see like a a Damon Hunt, who had a pretty good season in Iowa, come in and maybe try and fill one of those roles. I Uh, think
0: for sure we'll see him play some games this year. Yeah. Whether it's the whole season, I think it's be determined. But it it seems like he's a guy that they want to get. They kind of want to see what translates out of his game, but he brings, I think, kind of that that physical energy that they, they're probably going to be missing when they lose Dumba. Um, hmm. but you know, I think often we hear like, Oh, the wild balloon display big enough. And I don't, I don't know if he's the biggest guy in the world, but plays kind of heavy, high energy. Yeah, game. Yeah. So, um, I don't think he's like, I don't think he's like top four in his future. And I don't think we, that's never, yeah. I don't think how we've projected him. We've ranked him. I think we've always said he could be a, you know, a nice kind of physical energy, third pair defenseman. So we might maybe get a taste of that, you know, what that could potentially look like this year. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, on some of these guys, I mean, obviously you mentioned Felino, It seems that Golagoski is probably most likely to be on the way out. Uh, you know, the Roosters, I think they said that uh, he was presented with the chance to be traded at the deadline this year and he chose not to. So that's obviously probably the easy one. I mean, I think Zuccarello, you know, obviously he really struggled the last half of the year, but it seems like a guy that. Obviously, the connection with Kaprizov, and you know, even with those struggles, he did still put up sixty-seven points. So, yeah. that, you know, in that it situation,
0: seems... where I think the off-ice stuff does matter, like oh yeah, because he can like, like do I stuff. don't like Kirill Kaprizov's not going to be pissed if you know Ryan Riis come back, but if you trade Zuccarello, Kaprizov's going to be pissed. <laughs> I'd <gonna> be happy, <laughs> and, and the mean, last seems... thing you want to do is piss off Kirill Kaprizov.
1: No. And I mean, it seems like they uh, potentially will you know, if he's good next year, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Probably maybe give extend him again for another couple of years like, after that. Part of it um, is
0: hopes, like maybe it's like, you know, just like a down enough year where it's like, all right, we're going to give you a nice little, a little haircut. Cheaper. And then you bounce back for, you know, a year or yeah. two or something, right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be, be nice. But I mean, obviously, I mean, Merrill, I think is, you know, he seemed like the guy they kind of really like just because of his size. Now, maybe that was because they've you know, noted their lack of size to that line yet. (laughs) Maybe, maybe they just felt like they were lacking size overall and thought, you know, Hey, he's six, three, we'll put him in there. But, uh, so it was a little, it was noteworthy when they started. Yeah. Well, that's, that's every NHL team in some way. So they're all like it at some point, even, (sighs) uh, you know, even, even the, the most, you know, new thinking and analytically minded guys still do that, but yeah, I think it was notable when they started scratching him down the down the stretch of the season. Yeah. So you know, maybe you could trade him, but I guess I don't know why you would want somebody would want to pay for trade asset an asset for two more years of John Merrill when you could sign somebody just as good. So yeah, who okay. knows? But I would I mean, take
0: him like if they got a seventh round pick, I get fine.
1: Yeah, more bucket of pucks, I'll take that too. Yeah. Maybe. But, no, yeah, nothing too interesting there for me. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, there you have it. That's kind of the checklist, you know, as we see as of now. Um, things will go more in-depth on, I think we outlined this in the last show, but we'll dive into the draft and probably a list much like last year where we come up with eight to ten guys that we want to target. Um, we maybe can look more into, like, at that time, maybe which teams we might be able to trade up with. We'll explore some of that stuff um and then we'll try to do um uh, we'll see where things stand we might just we have plans to do a free agency primer um but at that point that show might be worthless Um, we (laughs) might talk about like some all right who are the veteran minimum players where's daniel winnick like like that's going (laughs) to be the type of free agent that they could go out and sign um so that's in the works but you know, I think it's kind of those high items. I think we hit on everything. So, um, as you listen to this, there's a chance I might split this into two episodes, but we'll see. I might just do it as one and people can figure it out. I don't care if you made it this far. Thanks. You did it. Yeah, we Talked to your for an hour and a half. So hopefully, you know, you're on a long, <laughs> long drive to the cabin or something, or maybe you queued this up Memorial day or a couple weeks down the road. So, um, yeah, I guess any, uh, any final thoughts here before we, uh, call it a night here.
2: No, I'm just pumped for the draft. Now, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's kind of my jam. Now, that I'm covering prospects, just really looking forward to to doing that stuff. So, I've already started a little bit of research. So, pretty excited for the off season, I'm not free agency, but the draft stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: No, just you know, kind of same for me. It's always you know this kind of year we got a little bit more stuff to talk about this last season, but. In the next couple weeks, but you know, after that you can kinda look forward as just said to the draft, which is a more positive thing, you know, get excited about, you know, future possibilities, whatever can happen. It's always a, you know, good time of year to you know kinda move past, you know, the this point of the playoffs and just uh have a little bit uh have a little bit of fun and have some good things to talk about and uh, you know, have that uh, I mean we've had this the past three, four years now. You know, all of the drafts been great. So and have been really fun and uh it'll be uh it'll be good to cover it with you guys and talk with everybody and uh you know, hopefully hopefully there's uh you know hopefully they find a way to snag like a top ten talent at like twenty fifth again, like they've done for three straight years. So Yeah. But for it'll sure. be good.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh player cards your way next week. We'll start with the forward, so I think we'll have 15 forwards to talk about in depth, and then we might hit on, you know, a few of the guys that um, – not all, like, I don't think I gave cards to, like, Beckman Walker because they didn't hit my sample size for data. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll probably talk a little bit about those guys too. Um, we can look at some of their stuff. But we'll talk – so we'll talk through a lot of the forwards. Um, the guys we won't talk – like, we won't spend a lot of time on are the players that um, won't be back, so we probably won't talk a lot about Gus Nyquist or um, – oscar sunquist um we're not going to spend any time talking like jordan greenway you know those type Mm -hmm. of guys um so we'll talk about the guys to be coming back those types of things um in depth and then those other guys we might you know give them a a one or two minute little spiel but so forwards next week and then defense goalies the following week so those are always pretty in-depth episodes we'll run through stats assign them our grades um kind of run through all of that kind of top to bottom so um, definitely one of our more in-depth shows of the year, but, um, a good yeah. way to kind of reflect back on kind of the whole picture, um, and maybe eliminating some of that recency bias or, you know, you know, oh, I, you know, I forgot how well this guy played or how bad this guy was, that kind of thing. So that's what's coming up. So so what got coming your way next week. So till then, Justin, where can everyone find you and your work?
2: Yeah, you can find me at the East 2004, you can find me at caprice obviously at the caprice of Countdown. You find me at Pipeline UMD at UMD Bulldogs Pipeline. You find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Zeke.
1: Yeah, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyot, the capital Z and a capital B. And if you ever want to connect with me, that's where you'll find me.
0: And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh ninety two. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter. And Instagram, at soundthefoghorn, all one word. A quick note, just being a Wild fan, I believe if you're looking for some merch, memorabilia, the Hockey lodges is running like an end-of-the-season sale, I think, through the end of the day, Saturday. Um, Like, there's some pretty good, like, I think there was like a Jordan Greenway stick online for like 80 bucks. Um like he, if you need a new stick, you can just buy it, cut it down. Who cares if it's greenways? It's eighty dollar <laughs> stick. That's probably a two hundred and fifty dollar stick. So if you're looking for wild stuff, this is a no sponsorship thing here. Just heard the High just having a deal, good stuff there. So it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend. Go out and enjoy it. Uh conference finals start tomorrow. Eastern Conference. Uh Western Conference Friday. Uh, So, plenty to keep you busy until we come back with you next week, where we will talk forward player card and uh, player grade reviews. But until then, this has been another episode of.